Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Sean Wildermuth is here with us. We're going to be talking to him in a minute. But uh, first of all, man, how are you? How's Zach, the old guy? He's sitting here. He's looking like he wants to go upstairs. So he's a little perky at the moment. But uh, yeah, we've had to increase the anti-seizure drugs. And the, yeah. the problem now is that the dosage that he's at, if you miss a dose, he will have a seizure. Yeah. So it's every eight hours and you've got to be reliable on it so yep, yep but yep. if he doesn't have doses he's gonna have seizures too so i guess i don't know how much longer we get with him but he's yeah. you know what he doesn't miss a meal and he wants to go for a walk every day but he does not go very far uh and he smelled a, a squirrel on the deck th- yesterday yeah he couldn't see him i could see the squirrel the squirrel was being quite rude honestly and <laughs> zach was and he could see zach looking around like he's like i smell squirrel <laughs> and then the squirrel finally like, oh, this is fun. And he and he left. And Zach just let out a big bark. And then he went inside for a nap. Because when you're 100 years old, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. So the bears are getting closer to my house. Yeah. They've been spotted very close. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, uh, you know, Zach uh, isn't engaging them. So they're moving on. Yeah. They moved He's- all the way across the country and down. Zach is in the post-bear aspect of his life. And and honestly, I did not expect him to get old. I expected his narrative to end with, last time I saw him, he was clamped down to that bear being carried into the woods. Yeah. uh, Now, with the sight and the hearing gone, he's he's not going to find a bear anymore. Uh, And that's probably for the best. Well, I'll give you reports of bear, the first bear I've ever seen in Connecticut when that happens. I'm sure it's going to. It'll be a moment. They're bigger than you think, man. It's a a lot of critters. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's get started with Better Know uh, Framework. Awesome. All right, man. What do you got? It's the first time I've heard of this. Have you heard of Wise J? Wise J. No. Wisej.com. Wisej.com. Sean's shaking his head. He hasn't heard of it. Powerful Visual Studio Application. Yeah, so apparently it's a uh, rapid application development tool for .NET. Oh, interesting. And also helps you migrate desktop apps to native web. And I think that's a service because it says with fast turnaround. Right, risk-free. Risk-free, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it looks like a button-driven app builder kind of thing. Well, and certainly for your forms over data kind of software, which, let's face it, we're still building a ton of, Anything that can cut down on the time of doing that, I'm all over it. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, somebody just uh, tweeted that that I should get hip to it. So uh, I haven't taken it for a spin yet. I mean, I literally just saw this a half an hour ago. Mm-hmm. So, but I I plan to. Maybe we can uh, if it's maybe cool, there's a it, show there. Huh? Yeah, maybe there's a show. Well, it's worth it. Worth a check in. Yeah. All right. I'm not about. I'm not above that. You know. You know. It makes sense yeah. to me. YJ.com, know it, learn it, love it. Love Who's it. talking to us, Richard? Grab the comment of the show, 1675, which is a view show, but not with uh, Sean Wildermuth. Uh, this is the show we did uh, before the end times in 2020, in February of 2020, uh, with Gwendolyn Faraday. We were talking about getting started with view. Right. Uh, and she, you know, that was NDC London, you know, little did we know how the world was going to change back when the, when the pandemic was something happening to other people in a different part of the world, when well, those people should be careful. Well, and we're back there again now. Uh, in some parts, we had, yeah. 
vaccinated people aren't experiencing a pandemic, but everybody else is, and it's going to be bad, apparently. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm trying to remain empathetic. Uh, And Adrian Moret said, for me, the key feature that determined me to use Vue.js was the zero learning curve. Mm. As a back-end engineer, I don't have the time to become proficient in front-end technologies like React or Angular. Vue.js was just super easy to pick up. Hmm. Also, the fact that it's so popular, even Facebook and Google support for the other two competitors and being React and Angular, is an indicator that you should consider this framework to speed up your projects. Another great fact is if you're looking for something, you're likely to find it in the Vue.js documentation Mm -hmm. rather than on Stack Overflow. No hate for Stack Overflow. Come on. No. And this is a big thing. It's well-written documentation, just like Gwendolyn had mentioned. Uh, And I'm not sure when Vue.js 3 will be available. I should have checked that because this is a year ago now. But I'm sure the code will be even cleaner than the Vue Composition API. And if it's cleaner, that means it's easier to test, it's easier to fix, and easier to maintain. Right. Yeah, I can't argue with Adrian's motivations there, right? He's worried about the right things, not getting everything right the first time, but, you know, being able to take care of your code and keep it running. So, uh, Adrian, thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code Buy, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code Buy. And definitely follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. Sean will read it. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's true. I don't, I don't know either, but you know, I got nothing. He, he's a busy guy. Yeah. Use your Vic 20. That's <laughs> right. I really do want to send a tweet from a Vic 20. First, I'd have to get a Vic 20 working. I mean, that's, that's a board old enough that traces have probably fallen off of it, right? You got to hold it together with glue and staples. Well, the reason I brought that up is because Sean's bio starts out. Sean Wildermuth has been tinkering with computers and software since he got a VIC-20 back in the early 80s. Nice. Yeah. As a Microsoft MVP since 2003, he's also involved with Microsoft as an ASP.NET insider and client dev insider. He's the author of over 20 Pluralsight courses, written a whole bunch of books, pile of them, actually. Pops. And that's a, a you know an exact measurement. Mm-hmm. More than eight, or at least eight. An international conference speaker. And one of the wilder minds, you can reach him at his blog at wildermuth.com. Welcome back, Sean. Thanks for having me. This is always exciting to see you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, we're using Zencaster now, so we literally do get to see each other. Even yeah. Yeah. We, we don't yeah. use the video for the show, but it is luxurious, isn't it? It is. It is. I like to see what new junk you have on your desk. I always have junk on my desk. It's true. <laughs> Carl's all fancy with his green screen. Yeah, he's blinky, blinky. Yeah, I kind of do that for a living now. Yeah, so funny. Yeah. Speaking of pandemics. <laughs> yeah, so you're doing a lot of uh, online training, right? Like I'm doing online training and I'm doing YouTube content. So nice. Yeah, we're actually building out my studio to so I can uh, more easily do more of the YouTube content stuff as mm. well. So mm. we'll we'll have to. Uh, compete fiercely or cooperate nicely. I don't know which. Mm. What do they call? What do the YouTubers call it when they when they have those crossovers? Right, it's like a collab. You got to do a collab, YouTube. Yeah, collab <laughs> on the YouTubes. Being each other's shows and there you and, go. We could do that. Yeah, done that. That'd be fun. Do that sure, for podcast. Goodness knows. I've got a the a Blazer video series called Blazer Train. Nice. Because, you know, I like trains. <laughs> Lived near trains my whole life. I bet you. Woo-woo. Yeah. 
And to get big for trains. Yeah, and uh, also the .NET show, which is uh, starting out. You know, it's all things .NET, but right now we're focused on Xamarin Forms. Actually, building a new .NET Rocks mobile app with Xamarin Forms, and then it'll turn into a Maui app when Maui is uh, stable. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Nice. I'm, I'm just starting to get into Maui. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful for Maui. No two ways about it. But hey, Definitely. referring back to Adrian's comment. Uh, View 3 is obviously upon us. I see the new site. I'll include it in the show notes. Have you been playing with this new flavor of View? Yeah, I've uh, for a while now. I've been building and converting a lot of my projects over to View 3. And uh, his comment about the composition API, to me, is really where the sweet spot is. Mm. You know? um, View 3's ability to like use JavaScript instead of magic to sort of put together these applications because in the, uh, um, the options API, which is sort of a precursor to it um, was really interesting because you sort of created this object that um, had your data and had your methods and all these other things. And then behind the scenes, they'd magically make it all work and Mm. overriding the, this pointer to give you access to all this stuff. JavaScript developers don't like magic, do they? Yeah, no. I mean, no. As, as, as weird as the uh, uh, framework is, um, well, as weird as JavaScript is, I should say, uh, uh, you would think that more magic e- e- equals better. But it it became uh, more difficult to test because you had this sort of magic object that you had to have the view runtime to sort of test. Yep. And what happens in the composition APIs, you just have a... Uh, scope and what's what you return from the scope is what you can bind to. It's sort of like, oh, I have to learn how you know closures work, and I have to know how you know all these basic JavaScript things and sort of this you know magic um, um, uh, magic box. Well, and, and let's to be clear, all magic is hard to test. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you call it magic, and it's and it's, and so that's that should also be almost a code smell. It's like if it looks like mm. magic, it's going to be hard to test, and that's not good. No, and and that's been true. You know, uh, every technology I've looked at the last twenty years has been, oh wow, that makes a really good demo. That scares the heck out of me about having to support that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Oh, you can build an entire website. Or an entire project just by dragging and dropping these three things and everything will work. Yes. And then you get down to it. You're like, oh, you have 34 macros in your demo. No wonder it, <laughs> no wonder you know, it did so much. Three seconds and ta-da. Um, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I really appreciate um, the lack of magic. It's one of the reasons why I've, I've sort of stayed away from React because the whole JSX of putting your uh, markup in inside JavaScript and letting the compiler do weird magic in order to sort of inject it all just makes me feel a little a little creepy. Now, Blazor is the kind of magic I can get behind. What about you? Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew Blazor was going to come up today for some reason. Well, yeah, <laughs> it is kind of magical. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I uh, I like Blazor. For the audience, it's trying to go after. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the way I see it. Um, being C-sharp client yeah, dev? being C-sharp client dev. Yeah. 
Um, I think with the the choice to go with WebAssembly as a way to sort of run that code in the browser is really brilliant because I th- I've always thought that there's there are uh, people that are sort of mono language and there are po- polyglots, right? There's uh, not every developer wants to learn thir- 34 languages and like, ooh, there's a new experimental thing coming out of MIT. I'm going to try to build basically something. it's just you. I think you're the, you're the only one. Thirty four languages. <laughs> uh no, it's not me. I No? No, no. I, Maybe I, Richard. Six or seven languages, you know. But what what ha- certainly not me. What happens to me with all this stuff is when uh the new stuff comes out, I'm angry that I don't know how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and so I spend like a week going, This is the stupidest why would they do it this way? And then <laughs> I have that moment where I just cross that threshold of like the epiphany. Oh, that's actually pretty cool, right? Yeah. This, but it is grasping a metaphor, isn't it? It's like you're you're trying to get this comprehensive picture. Well, yeah, you, you know, in the world of Blazor, there's no more magic than Blazor Server, and because it does what we do all the time in JavaScript, but it handles all of that UI stuff, uh, you know, back and forth from the client and server. I would say magically and really, really well. I've never, it's never gotten in my way. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I, I, I like about it. And it's because they're very clear about that. It's built on, it's built on what everybody knows, you know, the signal yeah. is really powering the, this communication back and forth and is a, is a really good solution for that. And that it's uh, built like, any other spa it just happens to be c sharp like right. it's just another choice in in the box for how to build client side dev and if you're not super comfortable or just have no willingness to learn javascript or you're one of these people that are like i heard javascript was awful so i'm not going to touch it but what if you have used javascript and you hate it it's then you're doing it wrong. I mean, I mean, yeah, I understand that. No, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, oh. Because I do, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with JavaScript. I think everybody does, really. You know? Um, but it's, it's weird. It took me a long time in JavaScript to get to the point where I started to see some of the patterns in JavaScript and wondered why we couldn't do it in C sharp. Like I, I did reach that moment of like, why can't I just construct this anonymous object and pass it into a method without having to have all this like type checking. And, you know, there, there were these, there were these patterns that I saw that were like, Oh, that makes a lot more sense. And it's because, you know, they're really different languages and trying to compare one to the other. I wrote a course, God, might be 10 years ago now, called JavaScript for C-sharp developers. And it was a really interesting exercise to sort of map these two worlds that were really, really different. Like trying to explain inheritance uh, uh, to... To um, a JavaScript developer. Well, more importantly, try to convince the C-sharp developer that you could do inheritance, but it's just super weird. Right. Uh, because you're so used to everything being a class. Yeah. And you also have to include F sharp in there or any kind of functional language because JavaScript has those functional things about it, like promises, and which is really cool. I really like the way that whole fluent uh, structured stuff works in JavaScript. Um, 
you know, but that's that's about all I like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I think Blazer's a great solution there. Like, not everyone's going to like or or enjoy doing that. And and that's the same with like you know with View. View has an opinion about how to structure applications and that um, you can start small and build big. And that doesn't actually um, um, appeal to everybody. That's why Mm -hmm. Angular and Svelte and um, uh, React and all of those have their own, you know, um, um, audiences Mm -hmm. because, you know, we've talked about this before in the show. There is no one solution for everybody. No. Right. You know, I, I, uh, some people are like, why aren't you writing blazer courses? Well, that's just not my thing. It's not what I want to do. Uh, there's plenty room for everybody else. And why, why worry about learning this other thing when I'm, you know, I'm really still jiving with this technology that, you know, some days I'm like, did I learn any of this? Like, yeah. <laughs> not any good at this? Yeah. Um, and so, and so for me, that's that that's that's sort of the world there because there's so many people, obviously including um, you, Carl, who who want to help the world with Blazor. Let's you know why get in the way of that? Um, you know, I picked so many of the wrong technologies over the last <laughs> thirty years that <laughs> I picked a few. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like lots of folks would say, well, Silverlight was a wrong technology, but it's only because it got mishandled at the end. We made a bunch of good stuff with it, you know? Yeah. I wasn't, I, Silverlight's one of those uh, stories I like to tell in that uh, I didn't mean to become good at it. Like it sort of fell in my lap. If I thought it was going to be the next big thing, I'm sure it would have failed. Like I I don't feel, you know, I, 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 uh, Tied my horse to object spaces and Oslo and WinFS, like mm. all these, like it's yeah, tie, tying your things that I thought were brilliant at the time. Huh, they were brilliant. They just weren't going to make it out in the world. Yeah, right. Like those were very, very smart people that were working on them. Of they course. were trying to do extraordinary things, but there's a difference between innovative technology and a viable product. Yeah, and and they ran into that viable product thing. I mean, the biggest problem with Oslo ever was that they tried to call it a product in the first place. It was a research experiment that spat out some interesting things along the way. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) And that's not a bad thing when smart people can sort of press against the edges of stuff and and show us, you know, what's possible, different ways of thinking about data and and different ways of thinking about how, you know, sort of those those common practices as software that we still need all the time. I I just don't have any problem with that. I think it's, it's very reasonable, but eventually the purse strings come into play, right? The accountants go, where's the product? And yeah. And then, and then stuff has to end. And that hap- has happened so many times. Oh, yeah. Technology. And usually it's the things that end that have to end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're caught up in uh, the, the, the golden handcuffs of your success mm-hmm. um, or what I like to call the web forms problem. Web forms problem. The VB6 yeah. problem, the yeah. SharePoint problem. Mm. Oh, God. Right? I mean, where whole careers can be built around a stack and people will pay you happily to become more and more expert on a narrower and narrower thing effectively. Uh, and, and as long as you're happy, you're happy, right? Like, I, I, people make good careers out of that. It, you know, different things make different people happy. 
right? It's not, there's not one way to live. Yeah. How yeah. boring if there was. It's, right? it's an, interesting because I have this conversation with people who are like, I want to make a lot of money as a software developer. And I said, do you want to make a lot of money or do you want to be interested? Because those don't always, always coincide. Yeah. Right. You know, um, I used to tell people to become mumps developers. <laughs> do you know how much money a 35-year-old COBOL developer would make right now? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because there's a bunch of 70-year-old COBOL developers that really, really want to retire. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, how exciting is that work? Oh, exactly. And who, you know, who are you going to sit around the bar talking to about it, too? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> You were, you're in a pretty pretty small space in that sense, but vital, important. I ta- I ran into a guy the other day still working in ADA, mostly in um, uh, military applications. Of course. Flight vehicles, things like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm going to retire off the back of this technology. I don't need to move on. They need me desperately. The big, My bigger question is, will I be allowed to retire? Or they just keep throwing money at me until I mm-hmm. drop dead at my desk. It's a... Uh- for a lot of people, that's the nice problem to have. That's what they want. They want that security that, that, uh, you know, uh, I don't feel like I have because I get, you know, the, the shiny ball syndrome, like, Ooh, (laughs) that's shiny. Did this move to three break things? Like, was this one of those hard changes from two to three? No, the move from uh, view two to three didn't break things if you didn't want to break them. So uh, a lot of the changes, it, it was interesting after seeing a lot of other technologies. Um, You're talking about big, Angular, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, as view three was being developed, at the same time, uh, Evan Yu and his team uh, over in Viewland were developing a lot of those same technologies to be backported to two. To get people ready. So you can actually use like the composition API, which is one of the bigger changes in view three, um, in view two. In fact, the, mm. the work I, uh, um, did and am doing with the humanitarian toolbox is a view two project, but I'm using the composition API there. Now, I was going to bring that up some point in this show because, boy, you tore a strip through the team. You wrote a lot of code really fast over, <laughs> I guess, about a week or so. The, the the pull requests were fast and furious. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was nice to have a, you know, a difficult problem to, to sort of dig into. And, mm-hmm. and and I find Vue to be pretty quick to develop. Like, right. you know, uh, the the Vue part, because I'm comfortable with it, you know, that's certainly part of it. Um, wasn't where I was spending my time. I was spending my time like, oh, this is how uh, uh, um, Azure Functions work, and right. oh, this is All how the back end pokes like yeah. where that stuff's going to go, mm-hmm. and and you know, digging through your documentation of of what needed to be done, those user mm-hmm. stories and things to really understand sort of the 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 uh, the language of how you talk to these people, you know. And And there's still that core interfacing challenge because a lot of those docs were written by emergency preparedness experts. Right. Not software developers and certainly not even really PMs. So they have a pretty good understanding of the problem space for for doing emergency preparedness. But, you know, you still have to do that translation into what that means in code. I think that's what, you know, this isn't me saying I'm wonderful, but the best developers I've ever seen – um, aren't the best coders. They're the the right. people that can really 
get into the domain space. Right. Think through the problems like yeah. business. And be able to have those human conversations with, are you doing this because this is the way it's done? Are you doing this because it's the only way you know how to do it? Yeah. Right. And those sorts of problems. You know, uh, you know the, the, the woman has the um, – the yellow pad numbered steps for doing this. And mm-hmm. is that only because the last 12 people with that job have had that same yellow pad? Right. And, right. um, you know, yeah, we know always want to yellow, it. doesn't even know why it's a pad. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's a yellowed iPad at this point, but, uh, <laughs> um, iPad is really old if it's turned yellow. That's not good. No, no, it's not. So b- back to view for a minute. One of the mm-hmm. I- interesting things, I think I'm almost uh, afraid of how fast the view team is working because th- th- there's all these interesting sort of side pieces that are coming in now that view three is pretty stable. Um, uh, a lot of the um, um, sort of add on parts, the, the routing view X are sort of uh, maturing at their own paces. So that's one of the other things I liked is that it's sort of modular in that, that uh, view, view X, which is the uh, um, um, sort of uh, um, uh, state manager that mm-hmm. you can use with view uh, is actually moving in a different cycle than view three, because view three has kind of gotten to the point where, Oh, we have this, um, uh, this foundation done, let's go in and uh, uh, get better with all these other pieces right. as we need to. Uh, View X5 is coming soon. That will be a, a big change to not have to. They'll be a lot easier to build and use these state managers um, so that you have sort of a central place to keep state in your application. Um, but aside from that, uh, Evanue has also written this thing called Vite. Um, which is a new way to run and debug applications. And it actually works with a bunch of frameworks, not just Vue. Hmm. Um, and Vite's a, a really interesting um, thing. I actually have a article coming out in Code, in a uh, Code magazine in a, a couple months um, when they publish new about Vite. Because uh, Vite, to me, is sort of the... Uh, understanding that JavaScript is about to make a major change. Hmm. So JavaScript, I feel like, has had uh, these sort of epics. Um, Right. uh, We started with include 34 JavaScript files on your page, and let's try to get that working. And then we went through uh, Webpack and all these others, Browserify, these other packages that went like, give me all your JavaScript and I'll create one file for you. And that's what you're going to kind of live with. And and, uh, we're going to do some magic with map files so debugging doesn't feel like we've crushed together your entire code base into one smallish file. Mm. One of the changes uh, in JavaScript, uh, I think it's JavaScript 2018, uh, please don't hold me to that. I'm sure I have the version wrong. Is this idea of being able to use um, um, modules in browsers? We've been using okay. modules in Node and and in our Webpack projects for a while, but you can actually um, uh, specify script as a module type, and not all browsers support it yet which is why, you know, developers will have those browsers, but maybe not all your users. Right. Um, and so it'll actually 
walk down that tree. You start with a module, you know, that's sort of your index.js, and as it imports different pieces, it'll download those as it needs into the browser. Um, may, may or may not be a great idea, but what Vite has done is sort of leverage that so that you're not building during development. You're still using Webpack or whatever you want to use right. for production where you're going to gain the benefit of that packaging. Mm. But during development, he can hot swap different uh, JavaScript blocks because he's loading them in his blocks. There's no mm. compile step. You press run the project and my, uh, milliseconds later, your your web page is up. Like there is no compilation step and then trying to have the compilation watch it carefully and do all this other magic. Mm. And, um, and so a lot of people are moving to it as a way to run their project instead of using like the Vue CLI. Um, and, and, that, and that's for the dev cycle and then ultimately you deploy to, to a production space. Yeah. It's just for the dev cycle. Okay. It is um, uh, specifically uh, Vite can, basically say here's a here's a way to uh, use webpack or, or roll up or whatever you want to use to package for uh, uh, production time but mm -hmm. for development just run and point us at a javascript and put one script on your page and you're good to go nice yeah, yeah. And so yeah modules are basically going to bring that that model to any browser in theory given that they all get to play decide they agree i mean the chromium guys will obviously be on board I presume it'll be Apple that will hold everything back. Safari will support it. <laughs> yeah, right now, you know, latest versions of, of Safari and um, uh, Chrome and Edge all support it. Uh, Firefox oh, okay. support it. So there is broad support on the Edge versions, like on the versions that developers are always running. Right. It's the older browsers that, you know, using something like Webpack when you go to production is going to be key because you know you're going to have that one customer that still is running the Android browser on their Android 4 device. Like, it's just it's just the reality. Sure. But yeah, what else are you going to do? And then there's Vite. Yes. Vite. And this short, and the, this taking advantage of the fact that web dev has the latest tools and materials available to shorten our dev cycles, even though our production deploy is going to likely be different. Yeah. What we've been doing in the last, you know, four or five years is we've been taking that production uh, way of packaging up all our JavaScript or our TypeScript. Um, and we've been using that for the dev cycle. Right. And so there have been all these little tricks of like, oh, you changed this part of your project. I'm going to hot swap it into the whole package and, and, and magic like that, which has been great. But you still have this long build before you um, get started. Mm. And Vite really takes that out. Vite just says, okay, we're going to start with the first thing you loaded and we're going to load these up. And if you change them, I'm going to inject mm. it directly into the browser right. instead of having to in you know, do some magic, um, to the back end. So, um, and, and currently it works with, uh, uh, react view and uh, a couple other frameworks that of course I can't remember now. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you didn't say the a word though. <laughs> no, it, no, currently it doesn't work with angular. Angular is such its own, um, ecosystem. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, 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 it's a different world and I still, um, teach Angular. I still advise companies on Angular quite a bit, mm -hmm. and it's the right solution for the right company as well. Like, I don't, I don't uh, want to say uh, bad things about Angular because you know that team is working really hard and helps people, especially sort of in the enterprise space, yeah. build yep. these large 
uh, modular applications. Yeah, the, and the sense I've got from it, looking at what the Google guys are doing, and the folks that come to Dev Intersection and, and so forth is, this is a tool set for uh, a, a bigger team where the members are going to change out, where, the, where you're likely to have a maintenance team, where other people are going to be maintaining code that folks have written. And the sort of approaches at Angular take make that very tolerable, that it's it's fairly straightforward to be maintained by different folks and to be sustained for long periods of time. You know, the, the conversations I was having at DevInt when we were, when Angular was all the rage then was, well, my, you know, the ar the ar architects say, if we haven't got a t at least a 10-year lifespan, don't bother with it. And this one seems to have crossed that threshold where I'm going to be able to hang hire Angular developers for the next 10 years. Yeah, and I, th I think that's absolutely true. And it also has sort of everything's in the box. Yeah. There's, there's uh, oddly, I think uh, traditional Microsoft shops love Angular. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that uh, is that it's the same philosophy. Like, .NET Framework is going to have all the different pieces. You're not going to go search for open source libraries to fill in these yeah. holes nearly as much as you would, let's say, in the Java space where... You know, uh, Java developers are like, oh, this is great. I have 13 different XML parsers. That's cool. <laughs> and that's not the way Microsoft shops think. No, no. They just and want the one that, that they think works. Yeah, see, you definitely see flavors of Java, the Spring guys and the Tomcat guys. And of things course. Like that. And in, the JavaScript was even nuttier than that because there was sort of tribes of, you know, these six libraries work and play well with each other and cut up the work. So... You know, for now. And, then, and then you meet another organization or another team where it's like, well, we use five of those. But we have this other one. And that's just it gets crazy. And then and any one of those, then, you know, that the, the lead contributor for that gets hit by a bus. And now we're all in a panic where, you know, at least you, you, you look at Angular, you go, hey, it's mostly Google. You know, so, in some way, Richard, I feel slightly responsible for that kind of mania because, you know, we announce new JavaScript. We, we, for a while, they were announcing a new JavaScript framework every week. <laughs> but I think you were reflecting the reality at the time on Better Know, which was well, that's true. there was a new framework every week. Right. And, and really smart people that we know and enjoy were making them and yep. saying, hey, I think this is a better way to go about this. Like hmm. you see these explosions of innovation when we're exploring what the new area can do. You know, yeah. and that wave is that was mostly as JavaScript as a language matured. You know, in that 2009 to 2011 space, where it was re iterating so rapidly, of course, mm. the, the the frameworks detonated to reflect that new right. things were possible. But JavaScript's kind of calmed down and grown up, and right. and so have a lot of these frameworks. We've kind of settled out into some fairly core philosophies now, and and you know, innovation has kind of moved into other areas. It's interesting that um, uh, when I started working with. Uh, Angular 2, mm -hmm. um, after having spent, you know, a couple of years with Knockout and a couple of years with AngularJS, this is before sort of React and all that, my biggest complaint at the time was that everything had to be a class, right. which felt so like c Sharpy <laughs> or Java, you know? Java it's just... Java-y? Java-y. It doesn't really... Javish. Javish. I like that. Javish. <laughs> um uh, and this is one of the lessons that I think Vue learned. Vue uh, introduced this uh, uh, class syntax that sort of 
mirrored something similar that Angular was doing with 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 TypeScript. And then uh, as the um, um, ecosystem started to work with it, there was sort of this epiphany of like, this is a lot of you know little magic buttons going together just so we can say we're using a class to define a view or define right, right. this thing. And 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 that's where I think the composition API came from was like um, we don't have this doesn't help us. Right. It's not necessary. It's not necessary, yeah. you know, to have like, oh, these are the magic, again, more magic. These are the, your properties are just going to magically become things you can bind against. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, holding on to that, classes are great here, interfaces are great here, and objects are great here. I, I, I've sort of really dug into that. I've really uh, enjoyed that part of what JavaScript has sort of become in that way. Because hmm. I still use classes in almost every project I work with, but they're almost never... Uh, anything but you know um, data structures with with action right most of the stuff i'm dealing with that is just data i don't need a class for i just need to know what the structure is so uh how's typescript in your world i love it i love it Uh, i use typescript on most of my view projects Uh, that's the other feature of view of view three that was really important and that was that they really embraced that typescript could be uh, a language that what that you know, that magic became very hard for TypeScript to confirm, right? Right. Uh, that's one of the problems they had with the options API is um, getting TypeScript to, to do type checking, and it was really weird. Mm. Um, and uh, so uh, I'm a big advocate of TypeScript on most projects. Not every project. If I'm doing something quick and I don't want to, like, do the extra setup, yeah. But um, all the tooling, whether it's a Vite or the VU CLI, will build um, either with TypeScript or with JavaScript. They're just as happy to do either. I imagine that would satisfy your C-sharp Jones when you're dealing with raw JavaScript. Or yeah. At least partly. It, it's really about that typeness. You know, yeah. uh, I, I, I like that TypeScript has this um, uh, development time type checking, but not necessarily runtime and yeah. so this becomes uh um, really easy for me to think about things as shapes because one of the challenges i had was understanding how different the typescript type system was from the c-sharp one because mm-hmm. you get generics too right yeah yeah you do you do very cool. the interesting part is it's all uh sort of shape based not identity based. So C sharp is like, uh, is this a foo class? Mm-hmm. And well, in, or does it implement this interface? Right. Yeah. And while you can do that in TypeScript, TypeScript also has this idea of, okay, let's say I have an interface that has these five um, uh, uh, fields on it. I can create a new anonymous object. And as long as it satisfies that, it doesn't have to have implemented that interface, it knows about that shape at compile time, and that's yeah. good enough. And so it's this weird, you know, sort of middle area. Uh, I ended up doing one of my coding short, uh, coding shorts YouTube videos just on trying to understand the type system because it was it was an interesting problem to kind of explain. Because mm. you know me, if I can't explain it, I probably don't understand it. I just uh, um, in. How should I say? I asked my bridal unit to be my rubber duck. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> and she looked at me crosswise. And she, what? Are you, what? <laughs> what are you talking about, Franklin? And uh, yeah, so and for those who don't know, the rubber duck idea is that you take an inanimate object like a rubber duck and you explain your code to it and it'll help you understand it better. And you might even find solutions to architectural problems and things like that. I, I love that. So it did work. Yeah. <laughs> Because it forces you to organize yeah. the the idea. You don't get caught up in that, yeah. uh, you know, I'm so stuck in the mud. Oh, what do you mean I can take my shoe out of the boot and then I pull the boot out of the mud? <laughs> in right? this case, the, the answer to my problem was just don't even go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was trying to solve a problem that didn't need to be solved. Yeah. yeah. Uh, isn't that most of the it's job great. of the developer? <laughs> to figure out what they don't need to solve. Right. Yeah, this is Elon Musk's line these days, right? The best the best system is no system. Right? Yeah, it's Anything true. we can eliminate is a better way to go. Right. How does that apply to cryptocurrency? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. The best cryptocurrency is no cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sincerely waiting to see who wins the uh uh the uh, evil villain prize. Oh yeah, you know I'm still sitting on techbillionairesupervillain.com. I'm just I'm just afraid of building out that site because who wants to make billionaires mad at you? That seems unwise. I really I really like the backlash to the to the billionaire space race uh, on Twitter and <laughs> Facebook. Like all the you know the the ninety nine percent are like you know uh, you, well let's see this guy could have solved hunger in america or he could have taken a ride in space yeah, you know, pretty sure he other. couldn't have solved hunger in america That's i a much know more but expensive problem. i i know that yeah. because i have a brain but yeah. but you know the 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 yeah. uh the attitude is really yeah is really funny it makes me laugh but i do think we could build we should build the questionnaire for who's closest to being dr no right <laughs> flying <laughs> exactly. yourself into space now seems to be table stakes so so much for that i kind of like the you know do you have a yacht? Does your yacht have a yacht? Yeah. Right. Can your yacht enclose another yacht? Bezos wanted to have a yacht that that had say these high tech sails, so he couldn't have a helicopter pad on it. So his answer was to build another yacht with the helicopter pad to follow the first one around. It's true. Yacht dot helicopter pad dot open. Yeah. Now I will tell you that I I am one of those people who are who are complaining. That uh, uh, that uh, uh, the Virgin flight didn't actually make it to space, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Oh, Bezos is only gonna only gonna be in space for seven minutes," which of course I would kill for, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the reality is, of course, um, though him bringing one of the f- former um, um, Mercury thirteen, yeah, is yeah. is is amazing. Yeah, because um, smart, good, great yeah. idea. And, it's a great, and, and, you know, those women work so hard to become astronauts and just to be thrown to the side. Yeah. To at least mm. see one of the, one of them to be able to see space. I, I give them some kudos to that. Yeah. That was a, that was a clever idea. Yeah. And it, I mean, but I also appreciate that both those vehicles flew now because I think in the next three months, SpaceX is flying a tourist orbit flight. Yeah. Huh. Right, with a different billionaire who's paying for things more or less and raising comes, money for for comes charity. with a free home solar battery, something like that. yeah, <laughs> more, maybe more than one. It's like for for your hundred million dollars, here's what you can get. Exactly. But yeah, there's a you know a bunch of folks going to go up and orbit the Earth for a week. 
because a billionaire wants to do it. Hey, more, more power to him. I go. don't think you can. I think we need to change the rule. You haven't gone to space unless you've orbited. Yeah, but, that's not a bad one. I like that yeah. one. Once around. I'm sure Alan Shepard would be upset, but. Alan uh, Shepard went to the moon and golfed. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was, as, as it was coming out of my mouth, that's not the right astronaut. Um, no, it's the right one. He was the first American to do the the, the fifteen minute hop on on the uh, okay, on a Mercury Redstone. Yeah, he, he was the he was the original, and but then he also was on Apollo fifteen. So don't feel too which, bad for him. Helps. He's okay. Yeah, and and he made a hole in one crater. Well, yeah. yeah. No, he, they, they, I think he said miles and miles because that's the best ball he ever hit. Right? <laughs> we won't off, cry for you, Alan Shepard. It went. <laughs> yeah. It was when it hit him in the back of the head that was, yeah. you know, that's the yeah. sad part. <laughs> but, you know, here's the question. That ball's up there somewhere now. Like, very yeah. right, likely, if it's, if, that if it's exposed to the sun, it'll be partially disintegrated. But, you know, we're now going to mm-hmm. have to talk. They were already talking about protecting the Apollo sites. Yeah. But are they going to try and protect the ball when they don't know where it is? But because they, what do you think someone would pay for that ball? This is a ball that's been on the moon for fifty years. Exactly. Uh, so I just want to go take a joyride in the in the lunar. Uh, I forgot what it's called. The lunar vehicle. The, yeah, the rover. The rover. Thank you. Yeah. So speaking of billionaires in space, what do you think they think of you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they think of a small people. No view. Oh, of you, of view. <laughs> you know, our topic, remember that? We have a topic on this? This uh, is a topical show? We can I, so I easily get lost. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially, you know, especially me. I have a, such a short attention span. Sorry, oh, did you say something? Exactly. <laughs> um, I did want to mention uh, Avenue in the... In his brilliance of being, uh, I think, uh, uh, so distracted, he actually recently just released sort of this um, uh, experimental tiny version of View, which is basically just the View engine. None of the other stuff. It's like 13K. View at? Uh, um, it's not a product, but I, I suspect it's where he's thinking View next will come, where, right. you know. We aren't modular enough because I'm including the, uh, you know, the data binding mm-hmm. <laughs> in the box. Like, uh, and we'll see how that sort of plays out as as time goes on. I mean, the point being, there's going to be a view four. Yeah, I think there has to be. I don't think it's in the planning stages yet. I think they're spending a lot more time, uh, like on view X five. View X five is this somewhat right. controversial, but probably the right thing to do. I, I knew it was the right thing to do because it, I didn't like it at first. <laughs> as soon as you're uncomfortable with it, it's like, that's probably correct. Yeah, that's the, I've learned uh, to have that instinct. But I also appreciate that they're not racing versions either. Yeah. You know, that they, that when they realized that the, they were going to go to, they were going to sort of move away from objects and into the composable model between two and three, they developed three and then found bridges for two so that you didn't end up in this sort of, war of anger that 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 angular 1.1 and 2 ended up in you know it's yeah. kind of a self-inflicted mm. wound just slow down give people time and build bridges and because so much there because the ecosystem uh is so large it also didn't force everyone to um 
instantly upgrade every package. Like right. that's sort of the other problem is we, uh, I think Angular uh, ran into this, that they built a, a little in Angular 2 that they'd probably could have let the community do mm-hmm. if they weren't in, in some ways in such a hurry to change the world. Um, and so uh, some of their ecosystem, I think, got hurt because of that. What do you yeah. mean? We we have this thing going, and we need to then suddenly change everything. And uh, this really gave um, gave the community time to sort of catch up. And there's still a couple of projects, key projects, that uh, don't work with Vue three yet. In fact, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why the humanitarian toolbox is still on two. Is one of the key UI components, the material design component, doesn't work with three yet, but right. it will. They're working on it. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, substantially, it, I'm not. I'm not sure it matters um, whether it's it's two or three because because you can use these backported pieces. You know, I, I think you're good. Um, one of the things that made me realize I was probably in the right place with Vue was they uh, uh, they came out with this new plan for what uh, Vue three was going to be and. This was, you know, what they thought everything was. And they were going forward, and the community went, "What did you say?" <laughs> and 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 they went, "Let's talk." They talked and went, "You know what? We're wrong. We're going to take the hit and uh, take, you know, the community's opinion of this to heart, and let's change it." And and what came out wasn't that the community was right or that the view team was right is what they found was that compromise. That path forward. Yeah. How do we, um, how do we bring this new vision to light in a way that brings everyone with us? Or the majority of folks. And uh, I think that took some courage because sometimes, you know, as creators, it's hard to go, but you don't understand. This is my baby. Yeah. Pretty sure you just called my baby ugly and I've got (laughs) some naughty words for you. Yeah. But that's not how software works, unfortunately. It, they aren't, you know, as soon as I start to use Vue, I have a stake, too. Yeah, it's your baby, too. Yeah. And, uh, um, and you know, so I've, I've been really, really impressed with their willingness to do that. Well, and, and I think it's also understanding the model you're working in now. Like, it's not like you're racing to the next version because money. Like, yeah. What, what do you, you know, ultimately success of an open source project is the consumers of that project. So, yeah. what, what, you know, you want to help them get better. You want to help them be more productive and successful. Disrupting them isn't going to do that. You know? Ultimately, no, no. Oh, yeah. I, I, I respect the view, folks. And I, 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 as much as I, I, I've spent enough time with enough of these frameworks to know you can make your app work in all of these things. Yeah. There's no two questions about that. There are these philosophical elements uh, that are more complex. And, and uh, I, I kind of like the philosophy that Vue is approaching here. It is a kinder, gentler open source project. I, mm. I think so. I think so. And I think because it doesn't have a big monolith behind it, you get a different sense about it because there That's isn't true. a Google or a Facebook behind it with other, with other goals. Um, yeah. They can make these changes without having to be like, how is that going to sound against our corporate, you know, yeah. stock on, price? Yeah. On the, on the, on the, on this quarterly report. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Sean, uh, how's your uh, movie making going these days? Yeah. Keep us up it's to date. It's stressful. Um, to be honest. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but it's 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 going well. Uh, we're working on uh, the second movie. We've we just crossed one terabyte of footage. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm aware of this because how many times did we reschedule this recording? Four, five. Yeah, yeah, four or five. Yeah, because I uh, 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 I've been flying around the country doing these these interviews. I just got back from Fort Lauderdale, which, um, by the way, don't go to Fort Lauderdale or anywhere in Florida. Okay, full stop. I was going to say in July, but it just yeah. occurred to me: just don't go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, Carl, that you're uh, you live in Connecticut, which means that by law you're going to have to retire to Florida. But um, <laughs> I would resist it. No, I'm not going anywhere near Florida for retirement. Uh, like Connecticut, the way it is. Thanks. Good I would you. like to. I would like to get out of here in the winter time. But for me, that means like you know, packing up the car and driving south and uh, and you know to the south, south not. Florida is south, more southern than what I consider to be the south, but and then also to the west, to the southwest. But uh, that's you know I don't plan on going to going to Florida anytime. Well, after the weather that the west is having right now, I'm second guessing any plans to move to the west. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to move. Just going to visit. <laughs> I like visit. <laughs> you do. You yeah. do. And uh, I guess that's uh, that's about it. What's what else is in your inbox that we haven't talked about, Sean? Uh, actually, handheld gaming, um, um, pla- um, gaming okay. things. You know, I've I've been a uh, because I fly so much. The Switch is my lifesaver. Right. You know, I play baseball or or whatever and and so within like three weeks the switch uh uh, the uh, the new switch with a bigger screen was announced and then the steam said you know what we're gonna put a pc in your hand yeah and i was like what you're gonna do what yeah i was in an airport when the pre-sales or the you know the sign up in order to get to pre-sales happened on steam and their whole website was crashing. And I was like... I was impressed. It means crashing Steam's website? Like, these yeah. guys deal with game rollouts, like, big traffic. But mm. apparently a handheld game machine took them out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just got a, uh, um, uh Oculus Quest 2. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, I'm, I like it. It's nice. Ah. I, I had the Quest Go... Which is like the uh, the moped of <laughs> of, of uh, VR headsets, but this one is this one is really good. I've I've been playing. Uh, it's, so it's like a moped in the way that it's fun to wear, but your friends make fun of you. Uh, it's all. It's I don't know if it's fun to wear, but it's just sort of low powered. You know, it's like right. the gerbil wheel version. Sure. Um, but anyway, this one is is good, and uh, I got a lot of RAM in it, and so I can load all sorts of crap that I don't need in there. Uh, or is it SSD? I think yeah, I got like the 128 or 256 gig SSD. I don't know why, but because more is better. But uh, I, I've been playing what can only be called laser racquetball. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like it takes the idea of blockout. You know with a paddle like pong to 3d with lights and sounds it's fun 
I'm I'm very jealous. I want one of the Oculuses, but I've taken this anti Facebook stance. Yeah, yeah. You you sort of can't use it without a Facebook, a Facebook account. account. Yeah, they bound yeah. it. Well, it turns out Windows 11 is doing that now. You got to have a Microsoft account if you want to log into Windows. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. They're oh. going to back off of that. Oh, I'm sure. Like, everybody's busy complaining about the TPM chip instead of yep. complaining about you want us to do what? Yeah. So, right. Yeah, I'm sure they'll back off of them. But, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, how? what if you have one in a closet with no network connection and no internet? So No closets allowed. Yeah. Everyone out of the closet. Spoken by the guy who has a big server closet. Yes. Right over there. Over there. Yes. That's (laughs) true. I'm looking at it from my desk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Sean, it's been awesome talking about Vue and and all the other things that we talked about. So uh, don't be a stranger. I never will be. And maybe we'll actually get to see each other in person. What a concept. That's crazy. That's strange. I, I just got uh, picked for my first actual in-person conference, KCDC. Yay, yeah, I'm so. going. Oh, good. You are? Yeah. Sure. Wow. I thought about it. Maybe I still will. I don't know. Maybe All right. Will. Well, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.